This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my gleeful co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We have one of the best episodes for you today. Uh, it's Ned Johnson and Dr. William Stixrude. They are the authors of The Self-Driven Child, if you know of that book, and they have a new book coming out. Oh, and it's such a good one. Yes, it's called What Do You Say? Talking with Kids to Build Motivation, Stress tolerance and a happy home it's really like the how like how you present all these things to your kids yes it's the book that we all need I mean seriously that hits on everything your kids not motivated here you go your kids stressed out here you go yeah. you need like how to make sure that your house is a little bit more happy here you go they cover it all they cover it all and I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed having it by the way like we were very happy that we're like you guys need to come back. Yeah, come back and do more. And they've they've promised you will. Oh, I don't think we have that recorded though. But they did promise they'll they come did on and do as many as possible with yeah. us. <laughs> we need to work on having that whole like no guilt mom after hours. After bonus hours, episodes. I just have to keep recording because it's so funny when you're doing podcast episodes, you feel like you really need to get everything in in that recording, and then as soon as the recording stops, it's all let loose, and that's where the interesting stuff happens. I know. And so we're not going to be hitting the record button anymore. I'm just going to record the whole thing. I'm living on the edge. <laughs> no, but <laughs> so Dr. William R. Stixrude, he is a clinical neuropsychologist and founder of the Stixrude Group, as well as a faculty member of Children's National Medical Center and an assistant professor of psychiatry and pediatric at the George Washington University School of Medicine. He is the co-author with Ned Johnson of the national best-selling book, The Self-Driven Child, and his work has been featured in major media outlets such as NPR and the New York Times and many more. He is also a long-time practitioner of transcendental med meditation. 
Station. And he plays in the rock band Close Enough. How did I miss that earlier? We both missed it. I was reading this to Brie. I'm like, did you know Bill was in a rock band? And we're like, what? So next interview. Yes. And then Ned Johnson is part of our Two Timers Club here on No Guilt Mom Podcast. He's an author, speaker, and the founder of Prep Matters, an educational company providing academic tutoring, educational planning, and standardized test prep. A professional tutor geek since 1993, Ned has spent more than 40,000 one-on-one hours helping students conquer standardized tests. He's a battle-tested veteran in the fields of test preparation, anxiety management, and student performance. And Ned has written for major news outlets as well, as well as the New York Times. So enjoy our interview with these two fantastic men, Dr. William R. Stixrude, who we call Bill, and Ned Johnson. Hey, if you have not yet grabbed our Happy Parent Checklist, what are you waiting for? Yeah, what are you doing? (gasps) Didn't we give you some step-by-step strategies that you can use to delegate more to your family and to release that guilt from actually asking for help in your home and getting it. You can get the Happy Parent Checklist at www.noguiltmom.com slash HPC. And we also have a link in the show notes. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Bill and Ned. Ned, you are a second timer, our two timer, as we yes, say. Yes, part of our two timer club. Our two timer club. <laughs> the one time being a two timer is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I, I won't tell my wife. You know what I know, right? We're always like, we need to change that title. And then we're like, no, we're going to stick with it. I like it. We're going to stick like with it. it. And I'm just the old timer. The old <laughs> But we're so excited for this conversation because we're big fans of your first book, The Self-Driven Child. And we both got the chance to read your upcoming book, What to Say. Let's dive into this conversation about motivating kids because it is on a lot of parents' minds and how to do that effectively. So before we get into it, can you guys tell us just a little bit about you both and your story for those of listeners who have not heard of you. So this is Bill and I'm a neuropsychologist and I've been living the last 37 years testing kids and teenagers and young adults if they have attention problems or learning problems or social problems or emotional problems. And I try to figure out what they're good at, what's hard for them and how to help them. And I also, one of the transformative relationships, my experiences in my life was I flunked out of graduate school the first time I went because I was just so anxious and insecure. I didn't turn in a single assignment. And it felt to me like my whole life has gone up in smoke. I, I thought I was going to be an English professor. And it took me about a month to realize it was the best possible thing that could have happened. And fortunately, I learned to meditate. And what <laughs> wasn't so anxious, I could actually turn in my assignments after that. I went back to graduate school. And I, I just love being a clinical neuropsychologist and also love the experience of working on books with Ned. I, I read in the book about your practice of meditating and the transcendental meditation and how you said it completely kind of changed who you were and changed how you approached problems. And I find that 
fascinating that meditation can have that effect. Well, I just think that's something that historically all over the world, millions and millions of people, when I'm talking with kids who are, who are really struggling and they're on medication, they're in therapy, they say, what else can I do? I say, why don't you think about the things that, that people all over the world have found to be life-changing? And one of them is meditation. Ned, what about you? So I've spent almost 30 years as a test prep guru, test prep geek, I suppose, more accurate term, helping kids prepare for and, and battle a, an alphabet of standardized tests. So SAT and ACT, GMAT, GRE, all that kind of stuff. And I've been palling around with this guy for almost 10 years now. And really, it's been great fun for me because Bill knows so much about how brains work and how they develop, what causes problems and what makes it easier. And then I've just been able to, like you sort of talked about being the, being the color commentary there for the comedic effect. I will, there was at least four or five years where I would say things like, well, my friend Bill says, well, my friend Bill says, and I would take these things and try like a comedian to try to figure out how how to say them ways that they landed. If a kid would be like, eh, that didn't work. When they go, ooh, it's like, that's the way to say it. And so that's been the, some of the fun part about writing this book is all of us as parents, as educators have things to share, have I, wisdom sometimes hard-earned. And so much of it is not the what, but the how. And so with all the time that I've spent, both of us have spent one-on-one talking with kids. We think we've, we've stumbled into some ways that are more effective in getting those messages across. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of parents come to us and they're like, I tell my kids this over and over and over again, and it just does not seem to stick. And I love how you compare it to being a comedian practicing your set. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> which one works? If the audience is walking out the door before the show is over, your message has not landed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both of us really, really loved your book. And in particular, two chapters grabbed us. The one about helping kids find their own motivation. And then the other one about helping kids change. And that is what we're going to focus on today. And first, I mean, all parents' minds is they're sick of like the nagging and the reminding. And we know that nagging or reminding breaks down the parent-child relationship and isn't the best way to go. But parents are like, what do I do instead? I don't know how to get my kids to do their schoolwork or do their homework or give their quote unquote best effort without the nagging and reminding. So what do you find is the best ways to get kids to actually want to do their work and want to put in the effort? Well, what are the postulates or theorems? It's a lot of taking algebra. I don't remember when you're <laughs> One of the basic things that we believe is you can't make another human being do something against their will. Yes. And we know that the more you try to change somebody, that the more you push back you get and the more it interferes with the relationship. So we start with this premise that you can't motivate your kid. You can't, you can't motivate your kid more than he wants to be motivated. Mm-hmm. And so what we focus on is helping the kid figure out what's important to me. As Ned said, this is, this is the kid's life. You know, and how do we help them figure out what's important to him? Or what, what do you want to work hard at? I, I ask kids oftentimes, is there stuff you want to work harder at? And how could we figure out how, how to get yourself to do it? But I think the first thing is just realizing that the more we nag, the more we try to uh, motivate kids through guilt or fear, the more they just react in a negative way to us and bite us. So we start out with simply with the premise that, that you, you aren't supposed to be able to motivate your kid. The goal is to help your kid find what's important to him and find the things that motivate him or, or her. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we all want our kids to work hard, but if we really think about it, more than wanting them to work hard, we want them to want to work hard. So many of us as parents, we default to 
to, you know, nagging and pushing and bribing and, you know, things that are just carrots and sticks. But carrots and sticks are not getting kids to want to do things. What we're talking, those are extrinsic motivators. And what we're really trying to do is foster or develop intrinsic or autonomous motivation. And then and because the nature of the motivation matters remarkably more so than does the total amount, unless you want to go through life with your kid, you know, on his heels the whole time, nagging and swatting him every step of the way, which isn't going to be fun for either of you. There's a student we talk about in the book, super academic kid at really the elite independent school here in DC. And his parents had seen a book talk and I asked him whether his parents read it and whether it made a difference. He said, yeah, they have. And I said, well, how did it help? He said, they finally stopped asking me, shouldn't you be doing your homework? Now inside, I'm like, yes. I'm like, well, tell me more about that. And he says, well, honestly, every time they say, shouldn't you be doing your homework? It just makes me not want to. And so when we nag, we do this because saying nothing is hard and sitting on our hands is hard. And and we feel like our sense of control is low, which stresses us out. So we jump in and start nagging. It makes us feel better, but it makes the kids feel worse and makes them not want to do what is so often in their own best interest. So it's it's not easy to do, but the, the model for developing a intrinsic motivation a ton is motivation holds that everyone, these are foundational psychological needs, need a sense of competency, a sense of relatedness or connection and a sense of autonomy. And so when we start nagging, we might up that competency piece and we get the kid to do stuff, but we undermine their autonomy and their relatedness with us. And so it's not easy to do. Bill is a client who said, we shouldn't call it raising kids. We should call it lowering parents, really. Lowering parents. It um, it's really true though, because <laughs> unplugging us, turning the dial down. down yeah. Just- just a wee bit. <laughs> and I like how you refer to it in the book is like balancing that stool of the three things of autonomy and competence and relatedness and really focusing on that relationship. And something else you said struck me about how that the nagging and reminding and the asking prevents kids from doing what's actually in their best interest to do. And it's so interesting because we, I think we all go back as parents to how we performed in school and how we achieved and what motivated us. And I could think of when I was in high school and I was getting C's and my dad took me out of my favorite extracurricular activity because I got a C on the report card. Well, and let's also add the extracurricular activity wasn't like you were doing like badminton. It was Odyssey of the Mind, which was was a creative problem solving thing. But looking back at that, taking away was what caused me to, well, okay, Bill's shaking his head and I want to to get into this. I want to know where the story ends. I'm trying to think, did you say? Step it up or did you go for, you know what, you know what, you know what I'm going to do with this car? I'm going to drive my car of my life straight into the ditch just to show you. Gotta go in a van down by the river. Down by the river. (laughs) I am a people pleaser by nature. And on that, on me, I had all this fear. I brought it up to a high B and I got back in. Mm. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. 
And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. But Bill, I want to hear your take on that because you were shaking your head when I told you that story. Well, just typically taking away something that kids are passionate about and try to motivate them for something that they aren't passionate about doesn't work. It just just builds resentment. The majority of kids go on strike, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think that, and and so what we talk about so much in, in our book is about communicating with the kids in a respectful way and about that motivation is something that, as Ned said, I mean, we have these three components. And we talked to the, the people who've made up self-determination theory, the really premier theory of the motivation. And we said, we feel like you're going to lean on one, it's autonomy. He said, absolutely. And I think that one of our basic principles in terms of motivating is don't work harder to help a kid do anything than the kid does. Because if you spend 90 units of energy trying to get a kid to do something, he'll spend 10. And it doesn't change until the energy changes. I, I saw this early in my career. I see so many kids with learning disabilities or ADHD who they aren't motivated, don't seem to be motivated for anything. And so adults spend 90 units of energy trying to get the kids to do their work. And the kids do less and less. And it doesn't change until it starts to feel like this is my life. And so the message is that I love you and I'm willing to do anything I can to help you. But I'm not willing to work harder than you do because I'm going to weaken you because you're going to think that somehow I'm responsible for your learning or your development. So I... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, right, we had, I had a colleague who's a college counselor and a kid said to, said to his parent, I worry that if I get into college it will be because of you. And if I don't, it will be because of me. Mm. What a lose-lose situation, right? Yeah. You know, I think it's so true because it comes down to the kids have to be able to want to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Like you said earlier, I'm not going to 
follow my kid around. My goal is for my kid to be able to move on in their life. I mm-hmm. can't. And you know what else? I'm sorry. My kid passed me in math, like back and forth grade. <laughs> so really, I'm hoping that they're able to continue with that problem solving skill without my help in any way, shape or form, because they're already out of my realm. Well, and really for the parents out there who see like a situation like mine, where taking away actually worked. It's actually very hard on me. And I could see how it's hard on other kids. And this is why I've chosen like not to, to raise my kids this way with a focus on grades is because you get so in that people pleasing mindset that any way you want to veer off the path as an adult or take risks, like you have this intense amount of fear and pressure that really impedes you growing up. It really impedes you being successful. And something that you also talked about in the book is about this idea of giving your best effort on things, how that's very misleading and kind of a slippery slope. You know, we, we like the idea of pursuing excellence, of trying to do a good job on things and, and not just being half-assed. We, we like that a lot. But also some, some of the parents that we work with they have kids who are just obsessively driven and the parents say, well, you know, I, we say we don't care about your grades. We just want you to do your best and, and do your best on everything you do. Well, I mean, to be honest, I don't think any of us all, you know, actually do our best on, on everything. And Ned has this great cartoon where a kid is showing up and holding an assignment to his parents and saying, is this my best? You know, how do you know? And because perfectionism is so much on the rise now in young people, it's, it's dramatically increased that we think it's healthy to say, that's good enough. Okay, you spend enough time on that. Well, that that's good. Enough. As opposed to everything has to be your very best. And because perfectionism is it's fear-driven, right? Basically, if I do my best, then I'm safe. But it's, it, which is a different thing from setting a goal. I want to get these grades or I want to run this mile or I want to, you know, I want to do this, you know, where you're setting a goal and you're anticipating reward, right? Which is dopamine, right? Which is the neurotransmitter of, of, of anticipation of excitement where perfectionism is fear-driven. And, and so kids, you know, I see this all the time. They get this or that reward and they're not excited. They're relieved. They're relieved. Oh, There's yeah. a story in the book about this girl I worked with who was brilliant, 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 got a 15 15- 90 out of 1600 on the SAT bursts into tears. I'm thinking someone should take us out for ice cream, right? And I looked at her. I said, you, my friend, are a crack addict. And she recoiled. And I said, what do you mean? I said, you've had 437 consecutive A's. And if you were to get a C, you would burst into flames. You burst into pieces. And she said, I would never get a C. But he, and the kids always laugh when I say that. But it wasn't like, oh, oh, tutor geek, you have no idea whom you're dealing with. There was no swagger. There's no confidence. She was paralyzed with fear of, of achieving at that level. And I thought, this is a terrible way. And in part because, as you made the point, Joanne, that, that leads kids to then be fearful of taking the very risks that lead them to higher things, right? Mm-hmm. Whoops, True. don't want to be there, right? And it also leads them to, if their inner monologue of perfectionism is this drip feed of fear, they need to come up with other ways to re- reduce the fear, which leads to mm, substance use disorders, right? So this girl, I see her two years later, we run into her at a grocery store and she's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And she's like, I'm great. I'm like, really? And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I finally learned to relax. And I'm like, like, I'm thinking, maybe you TM, did you like Bill? No. How'd you learn to relax? Smoking pot. I'm and seeing that a lot. Oh yeah. Around, yeah. Along no, like my friends too. Like people are going to like other substances just to relax instead of, instead yep. of actually learning relaxing. If you don't know, Jess Leahy, who is probably mm-hmm. most well-known for the uh, gift of failure, has a wonderful new book out called The Addiction Inoculation. And the, the cliff notes on it, the spark notes on it are, if you don't have healthy ways to relieve stress, you, you will use unhealthy ways to relieve stress. 
So much better to do TM than to do pod. Yes. She, she's a two-timer on the podcast too, Ned. You guys are both. (laughs) There's nobody better. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, and I I think you guys both brought up a really great thing, like to kind of backtrack a little bit here on that whole best effort, because it does come down to like your cartoon you were talking about who decides the best effort. And 90% of the time, it's the parents who are the ones that are deciding what's the best effort. And we all know that like as adults, how insulted would we be if somebody else came up to us and was like, well, <laughs> you know, I heard that podcast. That wasn't your best effort. And you're like, excuse me <laughs> for that last book. That really wasn't your best effort. Excuse me. <laughs> I put yeah. every bit of my blood, sweat and tears. That is so insulting to say that to your child. Mm, yeah, I know you got to be, but that really wasn't your best effort. It's demotivating. Like, and it's, it's, and so it's demotivating. moving the goalpost and it's moving the goalpost ever. And we talked about in the book, it's a little bit like swimming towards the, you, you know, it's a child and you're swimming towards an, and you're towards your parent and they keep, and they just keep pulling away from you. Right. I mean, so it's, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's, you, when you don't really get to stop and celebrate and go, yay me. Yeah. yeah. It's no wonder we have such a high rate of anxiety and depression and dealing with this mental health crisis, especially with our teens mm-hmm. because of so mm-hmm. much pressure being put on them these days. And there's so much evidence that if arguably message you can give your kid is I love you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm happy with you no matter what you do. And even if you do a half-assed job on something, as opposed to that, I approve of you if you do your best, that I approve mm-hmm. of you. And I just think it's a better message to, to tell kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better message too. And I just, I want to clarify half-assed job is fine for some things. Like, <laughs> yeah. We don't be ourselves yeah. all the time. Some things got to give. Yeah. And it, it, I should point out for years, because I do all this test prep, I work with all these people who, because they get so stressed out, they completely lose their wits. Right. And to be helpful, I only have to be a half-wit. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I that. like that. I like that. So what, what do you say to parents whose kids are in these schools that are pushing really good grades and going to college and being the best? I, I say it from a personal situation because my daughter's in one of those kind of high stakes schools and she'll come home and be like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I'm like, do you really, do you have to do this? And I like my message at home is completely counter to the messages she's getting from her friends and her teachers. What could I do at home to kind of lower the stress level? Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us for her. Well, I think that you, you don't want to continually give the message where you go to college isn't that big a deal. I mean, there's a lot of things. The reality is mm -hmm. that for most people, where you go to college doesn't seem to make hardly any difference in, in your life. And so most kids grew up with this drip feed of misinformation uh, about what really contributes to happiness and success in life. Now, it, it doesn't help to kind of keep preaching at a kid and keep telling her, but but if, if, she's, if she's really anxious and concerned, you, we recommend saying, I can't take that away from you. I can't, and, I, and I'm not going to try. But I really see it different. And, and, I, and at some point, if you're, if you're interested, I'd love to kind of give you another way to look at it. You need to just consider uh, that, that maybe you, you can still pursue excellence, but just not have it to be, be so stressful, not be, have to be so fearful. So, so many of the kids that I work with are underachievers. And the first thing I tell them, and it's always motivating, is that you could flunk everyone in your high school classes. Then if you decide that that was a bad idea, you can go to community college for 30 credits, and then you can apply to most colleges in the country without showing your high school transcript. When I tell them that, when I take fear out of the equation, that I'd say there's another way you can get there. Mm -hmm. It just motivates them to work hard. With kids in high achieving schools, they're at just such high risk that we mentioned in the book that the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation published a, a report in 2017 on the major causes of stress and anxiety in adolescents. And it's poverty, trauma, discrimination, and excessive pressure to excel. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, we have to be working with, with schools to get Give kids a sane message and help them understand how many paths there are in finding your place in this world. I love that. And what I would add to that is a point that, that we, we often make that most mental health is changing thinking from I have to, to I want to, or back to that perfectionistic vibe. And so are there advantages to going to, you know, Princeton? Yeah, you get to dress in orange for four years. I'm teasing, right? I mean, <laughs> there, you know, there, these are wonderful places of learning. And obviously there are advantages to, to being a graduate of an elite, you know, of a highly selective college. But it's simply not true that in order to have a, a wildly successful life that you have to graduate from the most successful place, in part because we know that people develop at an uneven pace. I mean, the, the thing I always laugh about is I remember being in seventh grade and whoever the tallest boy is in seventh grade and is lording it over everybody else. You're like, enjoy it now, right? Because you're not going to be the tallest one by in 12th grade. And so the same way, the kids who are valedictorians of their class 10 years later are not more successful than everyone else. And so we want young people to develop themselves. We want them to be educated because it's good for them. It's good for their families, their schools, their community. It's good for the whole darn country to develop talent wherever it is. But we just want to do it in a way that's sustainable. So, you know, for your daughter, if she takes school really seriously, I think it's great 
that you're working really hard to become a better writer. I think it's great how much you, how seriously you take math and you're really becoming a mathematician. And so we can take that same energy, but try to help her reframe how she's thinking about it. And so don't talk her out because it's hard to talk people out of work, working hard, but mm -hmm. to have her focus on, on something that becomes much more internalized of I'm becoming, I'm a really curious, I have a really curious mind for science. So it's internal trait rather than externalized. I got another A. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're, you know, back to smoking pot at Yale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Joanne, another thing is that there's this research that suggests with high achieving kids, they're taking a test. If you ask them to write for a few minutes about their highest values, it become much less stressful to take a test because it puts these things in perspective. And just talking with kids, and we talk about this in the book, talking with kids about what's really important to them, what, what do they really value? And for most kids, their highest value is, is not status and, and prestige or doing far better than anybody else, having more money than anybody else. That's, that's not really, it's, it's kindness, it's, it's friendships. And just kind of having a reminder and just asking kids, is the way you're pursuing your development now, are you living your life now, is it consistent with your highest values? And make that a family discussion. We're all trying to work on, on, on having a life that's consistent I think that. that is a great, great suggestion. And I am going to bring that up at dinner tonight because mm. I mean, just Love you it. saying of it, I'm like, no, I don't think achieving is her highest value, but I think she feels it should be, or it's forced on her or that's how it works. And so I'm going to bring up that discussion about values tonight. Yeah. I think mm. that's great. Well, thank you, Denville, for joining us. This has been amazing. I have so many more questions for you that unfortunately we'll have to just do another podcast episode on <laughs> because it's, it's too much. But before we leave, what is coming up for both of you that you're really excited about? Well, the, the, the launch of our new book, uh, <laughs> what do you say, how to talk with kids to build motivation and stress tolerance and happy home comes out on August 17th. So we're writing some, some, articles and we uh, have a lot of podcasts, including this wonderful podcast. That's pretty, pretty fun. I mean, the self-driven child has just been such a great experience for us. And we're looking forward to this one. Too. What he yeah. said. What he <laughs> said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote. Follow up, and I go ditto, ditto, That works too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well, we are so happy to have you guys. Thank you so so much. And your book is fabulous. It is fabulous. And so parents pick that up because it, they. What we didn't go into is that you also have like so many phrases to say to kids and so many like examples, which I know That's that our what I audience. Need. Feels I need the cliff notes. I need them. When this says you know, this, yeah. You know, and, and one quick last thought of I mean, part of the reason we wrote this book is that. It's incredibly, we're not very effective in our communication when we're stressed, but we're also get pretty stressed when we're not effective in our communication, because as parents, we have all of this hard and hard earned wisdom that we want to share with our kids. And when we say it in a way, and it doesn't land, like we were talking about before, it, it, we get super worried because this stuff that I have to, it's so important. And what if she doesn't, what if he doesn't hear it? And so to your, your point about the, the kind of the lines, a lot of this is really simply about the how all the great instincts that your listeners already have as parents, just giving them a different approach, some other tools to kind of get those same messages across in ways that are more effective. And that's that's better for them, a whole lot less stressful. And it's a whole lot better for their kids to hear the wisdom that mom and dad have to share. Most definitely. Yes. Well, thanks. thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us. So one of the things in that interview, first of all, fantastic interview. Oh my gosh, I loved it. Fantastic. But the, like one of their quotes that really, really stuck with me, and I actually, the night after we had the interview, I talked with uh, my family about this. And it was, if things go right, you'll have a longer relationship with your kids as adults than as kids. I think that's a really good wake-up call. 
It's a good wake up because call. Because when we're in it, when we're in the parenting weeds and we're not sleeping because our kids are up all night long. Like, yeah. you know, thinking about those whole like first five years. We're worrying about them constantly. Right. Or when they're teenagers and they used to talk to us about everything. Now they barely even look at us. We get so caught up in the here and now mm-hmm. that we forget that sometimes our reactions and the way that we react to things that are going on in their life will have an impact. Yeah, it definitely has an impact. It's made me think a lot about the relationship that I want with my kids and versus like trying to control everything and make sure everything goes right today it's better just to be more non-reactive and make sure I'm just there as a support rather than a control yeah I will say like that's definitely when I'm having my moments where I'm feeling like I'm just completely failing at parenthood because uh, let's be honest we all have those moments where Mm -hmm. we, we feel like we just do not have it the only thing that'll bring me back to center is that while things may be rough right now I know that my relationship with my kids is the most important thing. So when I'm having a moment where I'm like, did I make the right choice? I'll ask myself that when I'm calm. Yeah. I can't do it in the moment, but when I'm calm, I'll be like, is is this the right choice for our relationship? Well, it's really hard to do in the moment. You kind of have to figure out what you're triggered by so that you know you can identify your trigger right the moment it happens and you're like, okay, this is my thing to calm down. Like I need to calm down. I mean, yesterday I was talking in the car how I had this really short window to get my daughter to dance class and then pick my son up from school school and I told my daughter I'm like I need you in the car by 335 well she come out at 340 and instead of being like oh my gosh why have why were you so late rushing her to dance class and then rushing to pick up my son where I knew I would be a wreck like I knew I would be so worried that I would be late to get him Mm -hmm. I was just like you know it's okay you're late but we do need to go pick up your brother first before we go to dance and she got really upset but I stayed calm she didn't talk to me the whole time we were waiting for him (laughs) I stayed calm and then when I picked her up from dance like nothing ever happened like it wasn't it was a non-issue yeah because she'd had time to work through it and even when she came down the car even said that she was sorry she was late she was but sorry. she just didn't realize that being late was going to have actual consequences yeah looking at it I'm like that is such a preferable way for me to handle this instead of yelling at her yeah. and being all stressed out like, and then you would have been stressed out when you picked up your son exactly and probably would have ended up snapping at him for something and he would have been like what did I do it's- instead I just got to be really calm I'm like have a good time at dance yes <laughs> and it was all fine feeling Feelings are temporary and the relationships that we have with our kids are the most important. Yeah. So I have to say, you you have to read this book. It is phenomenal. It is. What do you say? Talking with kids to build motivation, stress tolerance, and a happy home. It is available everywhere you get your books at. I mean, it's going to be across the board. Let's help them make this a New York Times bestseller. Yes, we got early copies. We read it and I can tell you, you want to get this book. Oh, yeah. This This had such a positive impact on me just as much as a self-driven child. And I loved the self-driven child. This is going to be one of our highly recommended books for all of our no guilt moms to check out. So remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.